welcome to Season 5 of Dreams and Bones, the podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. This podcast is part of Grow Me a Story, our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is creative. And inch by inch, row by row, we want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives. My name is Carol Woolham Roberts. And I'm her husband, Paul. As your creativity cultivators, Carol and I have been bringing special guests to you since the beginning of 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. For this March 1st episode, we're going to dig back into the Dreams and Bones archives once again to bring you a portion of our 2022 interview with Paul's sister, my sister-in-law, and my dear friend, Lori Roberts. You know, she turned 60 this week. Yes, I know. I wrote about her this week in my morning journal. 2-28-24. Is today my sister's birthday? Or tomorrow? Have I ever gotten her a gift? Why do I not give generously to my sister? Who is she? What does she mean to me? Beautiful hair. A room of her own, fortunate girl. Cleaner than a room for four stinky boys. No clear picture of her room past the early meridian years. 111 South Elm is coming into focus. Room next to the bathroom. Three bedrooms upstairs at 212. Lori's on the right. No recollection of the interior of that room. Strange. Making her cry. Red forehead. Golf. What chauvinistic patriarchal stuff I was as a boy. When did I grow to finally love and respect her as I do today? What wisdom she embodies. What beauty and talents. What love for her charges. Here's wishing you a happy birthday, Lori. Well, uh, good to see you, sis. We are down here in Meridian in Lori's house with a different sound system and we'll see how this sounds. It's going to be awesome. She's got a new Yeti microphone. Yeti. Yeah, Our podcast interview this month is is my little baby sister, Lori. And uh, Carol's going to get us started. So let's just break right into this. Carol, take it. Okay. Well, looking back at your childhood, elementary school, middle school age, are there things that you can point to that shape the creative person that you are today? Uh, I've thought about this a little bit since you guys were kind enough to send me the questions ahead of time. I, I tell my students the story of being four or five years old and singing with my mom around the house. I particularly picture us being in the kitchen and Mm. her singing things like, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. That was a big one. Another one we sang that I don't know. Why? But we say nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning. But I remember being four or five years old and her saying to me, as you might say to a four-year-old, you keep singing that, I'm going to sing with you, but not quite the same thing. And then she would harmonize with me. Mm -hmm. And I remember being aware that she was impressed with my ability to sing. And I have the Uh language for it now, of course, that she was impressed that I had the ability to sing the melody 
while she sang the harmony. And yeah. of course, I'm four. I don't know that that's a thing not everyone can do. And then it wasn't too long before she said, now switch. Hmm. You sing what I was singing. So I remember harmonizing just by ear, not knowing what harmonizing even was right. with mom when I was four or five years old and knowing that it was really easy for me to do and hearing her tell people, oh. Lori can harmonize. And then, of course, around that same time, we're in church every Sunday. Right. My mom is up on stage playing the organ, but I'm sitting beside Grandma Martha. Yeah. Grandma Martha almost always harmonizes to the songs. And as a four or five-year-old, I figured out how to fit my harmony between her her part and the melody so that we were singing three-part harmony with every song. Yeah. And, and then I just remember becoming aware in the first and second grade, I would teach songs to classmates so that I could harmonize with them. <laughs> so I was very fascinated with the concept of me being able to teach other kids to do that uh-huh. and that it wasn't a thing that they knew how to do. I think I was more aware of being able to harmonize than being aware at all that I had like the ability to sing or a so-called good voice. Uh-huh. I knew I had a good ear okay. long before I thought I should be singing in front of anyone. Hmm. And what, what memories do you have of singing in front of anyone uh, besides mom? Uh, I didn't have any desire to sing in front of anyone. In fact, I remember in grade school having a very strong feeling of, um, it isn't like people came to our house and our parents had us sing. And if they did, I would have been very like, please stop doing that. So (laughs) I did not want to perform. Okay. Um, I say that. And then I remember in second grade having, there was a, there was a, an audition choir of Mm. fifth and sixth graders And the choir teacher found my friend and I singing on the playground or heard about us singing harmony on the playground. And she put us in a elementary school concert singing our harmony with the mini choir, the audition choir, backing us up. Oh, wow. And I remember (laughs) thinking this was a really big deal. Um, but I still didn't really think I was a singer, and I didn't want to sing at church in front of anybody. I just wanted to sing from the congregation. Uh-huh. In fact, when uh-huh. we moved to Kellogg, I was in sixth grade, and our cousin Di wanted me to sing with her in church. And I basically spent the next three or four years saying, please stop asking me to do that. I don't want to sing in front of anyone. Huh. Yesterday, I spent some time with mom and asked her some of these questions, and I did not know this. Uh, the boys used to sing. We have recordings of Kent, Kevin, and Paul, and it was Kent that put a stop to it. Oh. Uh, according to mom, it got to the place where he did not want to do that anymore. That feeling of, I'm not going to do that. It's cute. Yes. You know, Kent didn't want to be cute anymore. No, that's exactly what it was. Because when I did start singing duets with Die in Church, it was about ninth grade. And I remember feeling like we can do this now and people won't golf clap. This won't be Lori and Die being cute. Yeah. I wanted to be taken seriously. And 
it's not that I wanted people to think we were amazing. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think I just didn't want them to think we were a novelty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And mom started you on piano lessons at what age? I was eight years old. So we started piano, and my memory is we did piano for two years. Hmm. And after about two years, I think I think two things. Mom felt like she had taught me all she could, which is not true. Although so much of what my mom does on the piano that's so beautiful is by instinct, and she does not, she did not know how to articulate what hmm. she does so naturally. Okay. So she wasn't teaching me how to play by ear or her to how to play a chord chart. She was teaching me out of traditional piano books. She felt like she had exhausted her knowledge. And perhaps she sort of had exhausted her traditional piano teacher knowledge. Yeah. It wasn't until years later when I learned to play chord charts that I realized how brilliantly my mom instinctively knows how to fill in and play Mm. fluently. Mm. She did not exactly know how to teach me to do that, but she very much inspired me to do that. I mean, that's what I wanted is to be able to walk over to her piano and play the way my mom played. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about church choir? How old were you when you got the opportunity to be a part of the other than other than like Christmas programs Mm -hmm. I was too young to be in the MGT choir and so I was a little bummed when we moved because we moved to a much smaller church where there wasn't a choir so I think church choir was I think you had to be at least junior high so it wasn't until I came back to the Boise area for college that I was regularly in the MGT Church choir, which I really enjoyed. Okay. And clearly music was a big part of that, a big part of your creativity. But there are lots of facets to creativity, lots of directions mm-hmm. you could go. Uh, were there other things as a kid that you look back at now and say, oh, here was another avenue? Well, let me just say I, I had no interest in and no talent for nor do I still have interest in or talent for what I would call any visual arts. Mm. I can't draw. Mm. I have poor handwriting. And I have no interest in improving either of those skills. I don't (laughs) enjoy them. Other people who can do those things well, that feels like magic. Mm. By the way, I put that in the same category as dance. I think when I watch people who can dance, it feels like magic. Like it literally feels Mm. like a supernatural thing and um, But the one other thing I did have an interest in from first grade on was writing. I remember, do you remember the kind of paper you had in elementary school where it had the two lines and in the middle yeah. it had the dotted line? Yeah. I remember the teacher giving us that paper and giving us time to write stories. And I remember a particular day where I just kept writing and going up and getting another paper and writing. And I was writing story. I was writing fiction. Mm-hmm. And I have some stories from elementary and junior high school that Mm. I wrote that I know I could find in a drawer right now. So I had an interest in writing. I didn't think I would be a writer until much later, Mm -hmm. but I did enjoy writing. Mm -hmm. So to what degree do you think we are born creative with certain gifts? To what degree are we a product of our surroundings, such as family, culture, education, uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It sounds like you feel like, oh, I, I have certain talents. I was born with certain gifts and others I just don't have. But I 
do think that, that there are certain gifts that, I mean, I just, I look at people who can draw and, and I have had students strongly argue the case that anyone can learn to draw. And Mm. I'm not saying they're wrong, but what I am saying is this, when you are a gifted at visual arts, it is hard for you to recognize the, the analogy to me is like the blindness that I have. Mm, mm. Like my brain, I cannot look at a thing and then draw it on the page. Mm. I can't. And I do think that there our DNA predisposes us to be able to do some things more easily than others okay. and to do some things better than others. And I think that I have an ear that can hear harmony and can hear rhythm pretty well. I learned that in poetry as an English teacher. Mm-hmm. I can hear the rhythm of poetry. And when I try to teach students <laughs> rhythm, when I try to teach them this old-fashioned word prosody or scanning poetry, it was that was a big shock to me to find that there are students in the room that I they literally cannot hear. Right. They cannot hear the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And they, they cannot pick it out. And we would even try to take it down to the level of, let's just start with how many syllables are in this word. And I remember the boy named James. And I, we'd go around the room and I'd say, how many syllables in your name? Mm. That's all, all we started with, how many syllables in your name? And I would say, if your first name has one syllable, pick, a, pick your middle name or your last name. And I got to James and he said, I got this, two syllables. And I said, really? So, Ja-Ames? And for the rest of the year, we called him Ja-Ames. And, <laughs> and to this day, if I see him, he'll say, Ms. Roberts, it's me, Ja-Ames. <laughs> and he knows that it's one syllable now. Yeah. But he thought James sounds like two syllables to him. But when, when Carol and I were doing VIP Kid, I could have had a, a James, and he would have said two syllables, and what he heard was, James. Oh, James. There you go. And they heard that. That's true. Uh, and and so suddenly I'm thinking, oh, it, it's it's part of the language and the way the language is as well. It is very interesting. All of our uh, our siblings are musical and have a facility, I would say, for language. Yes. Who are the most skilled in the visual arts? I don't have an answer. Well, mom is the best, is the most skilled in the visual arts. Mom can draw. Mom can, she can paint. And she she hasn't really pursued that. And she would probably look at me like I'm crazy if she heard me say it. But mom has the best skill. Um, I don't, I think... You know, I have developed this theory that penmanship is genetic um, because uh, my theory has been that um, David, our youngest brother, Kent, our oldest brother, and I got our ability, our lack of ability to write well from our dad who had unattractive penmanship, as do I, as does David and Kent. Me. I think you and Kevin... You got your penmanship from mom. Hmm. I think it's much more pleasing to the eye. You have much more pleasing lines. And so I've always suspected you and Kevin could come the closest to the visual arts because I associate penmanship with that. And I think you and Kevin and mom have a different style of 
drawing and writing. Are you starting or currently working on a creative project, but don't know what to do next? Do you need someone to talk to? Someone who will give you feedback and tools to get your creativity back on track. This is what Gromia's story is all about. Paul and Carol Willem Roberts, your creativity cultivators, will help you start, continue, or complete creative projects, big or small. Visit www.gromiastory.com to learn how Paul and Carol can help. Now, back to Dreams and Bones. So we often refer to the creator or God in all of us. What is your understanding or perspective of the role of the creator in all of us? Well, I, I mean, as a believer, I, I think that creativity comes from God. Um, certainly, I've developed my philosophy of creativity largely in the last 20 years by uh, my sister-in-law, Carol, introducing me to Madeline Langle. And this idea from her book, is it Walking on Water? Mm -hmm. This idea that all creativity comes from God. I I believe that all creativity comes from God. Mm. I've had many times in the last 15 years in particular where I've seen what I would call a secular performance Mm. that in our churchy language, my response is, that was anointed. And that's our that's our old-fashioned Pentecostal <laughs> churchy way of saying um, that was transcendent. That mm-hmm. moved my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best known for me is the Kennedy Honors where the band Heart is performing Stairway to Heaven mm-hmm. for, the, for uh, Led Zeppelin. Yes. And it is as anointed, it is as full of the creator. Mm-hmm. It yes. is full of the Holy Spirit. It is heart full of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there might be people who would very much push back at that secular performance being of God. But I, what else could it be? Mm-hmm. It moves my spirit. And I think all creativity comes from God, the creator. All of my creativity, whether it is in what seems to be a sacred intention or a secular intention comes from God, the creator. I think I'm a better, more creative teacher because I depend on the Father, the creator, the Holy Spirit in me. So I want to ask you, um, there's two things I want to kind of go, but the first one is part of that book and what I took away from it, I think the first time I did it, and then recently I've been in a kind of a discussion with other people, but she talked about if you're a Christian, you're going to do Christian work. I mean, you're going to, because that's who you are and you can't help but do it. But she also talks about if you get out of the way and you let God work through you, then you do a better thing than you could have done on your own. And do you ever feel like in the things you've done, like writing and music and stuff, have you ever seen a distinction in that where you feel like, oh yeah, I really, I got out of the way and I let God go move through me. And I did this and I, and I was still glorifying God, but, but maybe I didn't, you know, do you know what I'm kind I do. of asking I, I mean, as a songwriter, I definitely had songs that felt like they were downloaded nearly fully formed into my brain. Mm-hmm. And that felt so supernatural, such a, a gift from God that 
that um, I, I knew that God had given me that song. Although I also have come to believe more and more in the last probably five or six years that I used that as an excuse at times to not write better songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that I, I noticed this more, I began to be aware of this as a speaker, as a storyteller, mm-hmm. which I didn't know that was a gift of mine or an interest of mine until the last 15 years. But I, P.S., think storytelling is my most passionate creative mm-hmm. pursuit at this point. But as a storyteller and as a writer, I began to see that it's great when you're in the zone mm-hmm. and it feels like this thing was downloaded into me, but that doesn't mean it's done. And mm-hmm. that's not an excuse mm-hmm. to not revise and to not work harder at that. And I, I regret, I'm a believer in regrets. I think we learn from regrets. I regret not learning earlier mm-hmm. that when stuff felt easy, that didn't necessarily mean that I couldn't work harder at it. Mm-hmm. And back to, you know, you talking about kind of a pushback of, you know, listening to, you know, something supposedly secular. And, and in my last conversation with, with this Walking on Water book, I came away from one day and I thought, and the conversation was about giving birth to creativity, things that you do. And I thought, what's one of the greatest creations we deal with every day? Well, babies. And it's like, God doesn't say, oh, you believe in me, so you get to have a baby. Mm. And you believe in me, and you get to have a baby. No. Everybody gets to participate in that. So why would it be different? Why would God do the same thing with creativity? He wouldn't. I think it's, if you're able to get out of the way and and let whatever it is you think it is, we believe it's God, work through you, then yeah. It's going to be this, this wonderful anointing type of experience. Madeline Engel talked about, you know, these masterpieces that have lived, you know, Shakespeare and great painting, Van Gogh, all those. I mean, we don't know what their relationship with God was, but by gosh, I mean, they have transcended time and and they've moved people. And, and we need to get out of our head of what is Christian art and mm-hmm. not put it in this box. I think that sometimes trips up people mm-hmm. to let God work through them, yes. you know. Yes. And it's hard to teach someone that. It's it like is. it's not you, you can't say, oh, do this, 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 but you can get there, you know, to to do that. And I do think part of getting out of the way is also though being willing to like I've been taking guitar lessons for two years mm-hmm. and I knew I wouldn't be able to get out of the way until I learned some of the basics. Right. Right. Exactly. So I had to put in two years of guitar lessons before I could have a few moments that I'm just starting to have where I can actually play and not be conscious of every single thing my fingers Mm. are doing or need to do. Mm. And so I love that idea that I can, a lot of the times I can't get out of the way until I've learned the foundational skills. Mm -hmm. And then I can say, I mean, there are stories of people who just sit down and can play the piano or do the thing they do. But for, I think a lot of us, we need to figure out we need to do the hard work of the basics and then let God breathe on that and make mm-hmm. it be even better. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us for our conversations with people who live creative lives. Carol, any thoughts on today's episode? 
Well, since our interview in 2022, a lot of things are have changed and are changing in Lori's life. She has decided to retire from education after teaching for many, many years. (laughs) Uh, She recently did a local TED Talk that was very exciting. And she is enrolled in a master's program course to learn about spiritual direction. I think she's pretty excited. Yes, that's very exciting. So. You know, there's probably many other things, but those are a few things that I remember that that are kind of cool things in her uh, life of creativity. Well, as we bring this episode to a close, we'd like to thank you for listening to this program. Would you like to see what else we do, Grow Me a Story? Visit www.growmeastory.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter, read our weekly Fertile Ground blog posts, and find out what else we do at Grow Me a Story. You can also like our Grow Me A Story page on Facebook and our Grow Me A Story garden on Instagram. Join us next Friday for another Dreams and Bones episode. And don't forget to subscribe to Dreams and Bones on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just search and subscribe to any of these apps on your phone and you will be notified each Friday when another episode of Dreams and Bones has been published.